Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, powered by DeerCast. You, sir, are Matt Drury. You're Tim Chelswick, and we have a special in-studio guest today, Mr. Kyle McClellan, World Series champion Kyle McClellan, and more importantly, the new host of the Chatterbox, the Cardinals' official podcast. Yes. Look at you. Well, you know, every once in a while, you stumble across something nice that you get to take over and uh, take and run with. So what the hell happened to my soundboard? Oh, <laughs> we're screwed. We don't have this soundboard. What happens when I show up? Oh man! Whoa, man! Hey, Matt, my soundboard's not. Uh, that's okay. the. Okay. I, I had a perfect point to put in. I'm a big boy now. <laughs> and you are. It's true. Oh. Try it again. And I'm a big boy. <laughs> that was a long way to go. That's what to you've get been to waiting it. for. Yeah. <laughs> Something you could have said yourself. It's you saying it on the recording. It's different, though. It's better coming from... Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I like that. Thank you. Kyle stumbled across a few decent things in his life. Yes. Mostly Bridget. Yeah. That would be the the top. Yep. You know, my wife is completely unimpressed by everything that we do, but... Was it back last February? We were having dinner together and we were leaving. And and uh, she was like, so what does Kyle do? And I said, he pitched for the Cardinals. And she lost her freaking mind. <laughs> A little and too late. Like, you could have told me that before we, started, we, had, we had dinner. That was at the team she, dinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't care. She hasn't cared about anything. But the was, dinner with Kyle was... Was unimpressed yeah. about the team... The yeah, fact right. that the jury outdoors team was there. In fact, yeah, it yeah. was she extremely had to unimpressed go. by you. She went out of her way to say that <laughs> she could be one of many. <laughs> Join the Very club. Boring, disappointing women. Boring dinner talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Disappointed women's my specialty. <laughs> That's what I do. But yeah, then she was pissed at me for not yeah. not going through Kyle's accolades there yeah. at the dinner table. Which doesn't matter, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Would you treat him better or something? Uh, uh, the life uh, of a ball player or the farmer ball player. Yeah, former. Yeah. So it's better so, when it was current. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> you know, you live not far from here and you stop into the studio from time to time. Anybody that's followed you, uh, your career, not just from the baseball standpoint, but when you retired, you really jumped into you, you, several things. Mm-hmm. Brace for Impact, your your charity organization that you and Bridget run and, and the important work you do there. And we can chat about that. But also you started jumping in the hunting side with us at Drury Outdoors. You had done a few hunts with Mark, yep. you know, through the years and then uh you know had a little extra time on your hand and you bought a farm yep. you know through the playing days there so your interest in hunting i think really you always had it but it really started to to peak through those next couple of years right you, you know hunting and baseball line up perfectly i think that's why so many mm-hmm. guys do it yeah because the off season like you get out of the season and mentally you're fried you know you've been sure. through 162 game season postseason whatever it is and you kind of want that escape and <clears throat> hunting provides that, uh, kind of lets you get out and, you know, kind of have your quiet time, kind of reflection time, get away from everything. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I had never, uh, I, n- I didn't grow up hunting, um, never hunted before. And when I got into pro ball, I had, uh, some roommates of mine and we went, uh, skeet shooting and this is the first time I'd re- really been around it, really enjoyed it. My brother-in-law was a big duck hunter. 
So I came home that off season. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hey man, I've been doing some shooting. I want to go duck hunting. Started doing that. And I actually met Mark and Terry at a 3d shoot yeah. from Jeff Murphy, the bullpen catcher yep. had, and uh, it was 2008. And, um, and I just got a bow and started shooting. And so went out there and a lot of guys on the team were hunters and, and uh, sat there and talked with Mark and had no clue who he was, you know, no clue. And we're talking to him about, I invited him to duck hunt with me. He was like, I've never <laughs> duck hunted. That. I goes, I deer hunt every day. I'm like, man, this guy's weird. Every day. He's like, every day. I was like, okay. Well then like, <laughs> yeah. so then like shortly after I see him on the outdoor channel, I was like, that's the guy I just, you know, chatted with and then come to find out he's a pretty big deal. I'll be damned. Yeah. So, <laughs> So, um, it's about like Beth. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly Everybody what it told I me. treated yeah. him so poorly. Yeah. I wish I hadn't. But he invited me there. He goes, we'd love to have you out to have your first hunt with us, you know, on camera. And so, um, you know, we did that and, and me and, uh, Tim Siegler who, who filmed for me, we totally butchered every, made every yeah. mistake you can make. Tim still does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we had a good deer, right? I mean, 10 yards and we totally messed it up. Um, and so didn't get anything done that year. I ended up killing a doe on my own. Um, mm-hmm. and I was all excited about it. And then that year went back and harvested my first buck on camera. And from there I was in, you know, yeah. like you said, bought my, my own farm up there in Pike County, Illinois. And, uh, and it was hard when you play, you know, it takes a lot of time to, to have a farm ready to go for oh, yeah. season. Yeah. So I had some great people to help me with it. And uh, when I got done, those were one of the things I was looking forward to is going up there, spending that time, more time with my family up there and getting it ready to roll. So it just, you know, that baseball season and hunting really worked out perfect to where um, we were able to have some great memories up there. What, how many years were there, was there overlap where you had the farm and you were still playing? I know uh, after I the Cardinals, it, you went down to the Texas Rangers for a couple of years there as well. Yeah, so I bought it in 11. Um, and then uh, we won the World Series that year. Yep. And funny story about that. So we win the World Series. The next morning, I want to go hunting. And so I pick up the phone and I call Matt Drury. And I was like, hey, I need a camera guy. Like literally the next morning. It's like 10 o'clock. <laughs> Matt Drury was hungover. <laughs> and, and, and Matt, Matt Drury goes, was wow. out to like 6 a.m. Matt goes, why are you calling me? And I go, I want to go hunting. You know, it's my hey, farm. Yeah. It was my first time I could hunt on my farm. I was like, I want to go. And I've missed a month. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go. And he was like, I partied like I won the World Series. Why are you not <laughs> yeah. hungover right now? And I was like, well, I want to go hunting. So I ended up hunting that day, um, you know, and, and find somebody to film for me. But but uh, so we had it in 11 and 12 and then 13. I went to the Rangers and then I was done. So it was like three years of my playing time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got done, really had an understanding of the farm, what was going on and then, then could really do all the things I'm out. Cause part of it's doing it on your own, you know, oh, you, yeah. can, mm-hmm. you can have somebody do it for you. Like I had to and show up and it's ready to hunt. And that's, that's great. But man, going out and doing it, planning it, changing things that you want to change yeah. and doing it the way you want to do it is, is all the, but you know, that, that's even better. That boots on the ground. The MRI, you sitting there, you hunting it and understanding the way the deer move or what the property does. And that's the fun part about figuring out, okay, I need to switch my food plots. I need yep. to put my blinds here, my stands there. And what I've always admired about you, no matter what you do, you jump in and you go all in on it, you know? <laughs> and, and so, you know, those first few years, especially, I mean, that was a huge focus for you. You'd come in and we, you kind of talk strategy yeah. and look at trail cameras yeah. and all that stuff. And you just went all in on the property and really you got it set up to where, you know, you could take the kids out there yeah. and you guys could succeed and, you know, you're bringing them into the lifestyle and you guys are spending, you know, you're a lot of time out there in the summertime and it's yeah. been fun to watch. Yeah. And it evolves, right? I mean, you're, you're in different life phases. So yeah. 
it, it evolves to where you're up there all the time. Your kids don't know any better. You put them in the truck and you go to the kids want to go to mm-hmm. the kids are hunting. And now like, you know, I always, before I had kids, it was like, you hear everybody say like, I'd rather watch my kid, you know, hunt than me hunt. And I'm like, I'll never get to that point. I mean, I, I want to be the one hunting. And then yeah. you go up there with, uh, with your kids and you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. last year I hardly hunted myself because the days that we got, I pretty much guided them, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. took them up and got to be there. And, um, you know, it's it just, it, it, it is really, I'll never forget my son. <clears throat> it was a deer I hunted all year. Never saw him and, uh, got a trail cam picture of him on like December 21st. He came back and, uh, the neighbor had asked me if I had seen something similar. So I knew he had probably been hit. He shows back up. He's got a limp and I know he's going to stay on me cause I got the food. Mm-hmm. He shows back up the 23rd and I look at the weather and I'm like, babe, Christmas Eve, like he's going to be there. Do we have anything? It was the COVID year. We didn't, weren't getting together family. So we went up and, and here he comes. My son harvests him 141 inch nine pointer first deer, so awesome. first deer he's ever killed. And, and to be there. And I just remember driving home being like, man, this is, oh, I mean, yeah. tracking with them, everything. I got all the trail cam pictures of us walking by the camera. It's like three degrees out. It's yeah. freezing cold. He's bundled up and he could care less, you know? And that, those are, you know, those are just some of the cool moments where it, it takes you a while to figure it out to where you can get it like that, yeah. you know, to where, you know, you can take the kids up there. And I try to pick the good days, right? Oh, yeah. Like you're not going to take them out there on a marginal day and, um, and, and, and have them sit out there and not really know what's going to happen. Yeah. You try to pick the good ones and it's a lot of fun when, when you see them get fired up about it. You know, and Rhett, he's, he's ate up with it. Yeah. Like he's, I, I always get a kick out of all your pictures up there. Cause whether you guys are fishing, he's got a big 10 gallon cowboy hat <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. He's wearing cowboy yeah. boots and shorts. Yeah. And like, the life. He, he loves it at yeah. the farm. You can yeah. just tell. Yeah. He, you get up there. I mean, the shed doors open. He's on every, he's pulled every tractor out, every <laughs> buggy, every, everything. And he's riding it around. Um, you know, he really does. And we fish up there, you know, and it's, it's just been a really, uh, really great experience and, and family memories. You know, I grew up, my grandpa had a 40 acre farm and, uh, we went up there once a weekend, mm-hmm. uh, for the whole year. Wow. And, uh, and I still have so many memories of that place. And so the fact that our, my kids are going to have that is, is awesome. And you talked about kind of the evolution of life or where you're at in life. We were chatting on the phone the other day and you said, you know, you're, you're kind of a, a phase behind are, yeah. yeah, you're a phase behind where I was at. You know, your kids are now in youth sports right. and, and and growing up and, you know, youth sports, it's just crazy how yeah. much time it takes out of the weekends yep. and tra- travel ball or, or whatever. So, you know, you're kind of at that next level, aren't you? The next yeah. phase. Yeah, we're actually, um, I was talking to you about, we're actually listing our farm, which is like hmm. painful. Um, yeah, you know, it was a tough decision. So I, for like two years, we kind of went on, you know, paying attention to like, we're at a different phase, you know, like our, my, my daughter's 11, my son's eight. She plays competitive soccer and softball. Uh, he plays football, baseball, basketball. And so I wanted to watch and see, do, are they really in on it? Cause if they're in on it, we, we need to make time for it. And, uh, and in watching in the last two years where they're in on it. Yeah. And, uh, and so last year became harder to get up there through the summer. We have two open weekends from March until July. Um, and so, you know, we're going to go there on one of those open times to the farm for a few days, but it's just, we're not using it the way that, that I envisioned it the way that we wanted to. And, and maybe it's time to go make memories in other places. And yeah. it might be at the ball field, you know, like I have great memories of the ball field. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just a different phase of life. And so we actually broke the news of the kids last night, uh, Rhett cried, mm, um, yeah, you know, Olivia tough. was upset. So we had a long talk last night at bed and just trying to get them to understand like mom and dad are making the decision best for the family. And. 
um, we're going to have other great experiences and, and you're going to remember those things. And we have the, I've said this many times, the filming for Drew, I've filmed for Drew Outdoor since 2008. And to be able to go back and grab those memories and, and to always have that hunt with my son, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? That, that is, if anybody out there listening doesn't film your hunts, I don't care if it's just with like iPhone. the most basic yeah. anything, do it, you know, just do it. Just put a camera in the blind. Doesn't have to be anything extravagant. You don't have to have a cameraman. Just do something to capture that and store it um, because I'll always have those memories. You know, just the, the B-roll, yeah. like us walking as a family <laughs> with a drone flying over. Like, man, those are things that, um, you know, we're ne- we'll never forget. And um, so it's tough, but but it's I think it's the right decision for us. Um, the farm deserves it, too. You know, like yeah. the farm deserves to have somebody that's going to enjoy it and 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 take care of it um, the way it should. And uh, if I can't do that, you know, somebody else needs to do it. You know, and the reality is like the youth sports that we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's such a tough thing because, you know, I I see it with Cameron's finally starting to get to the age where he's starting to just dabble in in some, you Mm -hmm. know, rec type sports, you know, flag football and badminton. Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) you know, you see it. They like being with their friends. It's not necessarily the sport or that they're great at the sport. They like being with their friends and all their friends are in it. Yep. And the reality of our situation, unfortunately, is that there's not a lot of people that have a farm or mm-hmm. a, a yep. grandpa's farm anymore yep. or anywhere to go. And that lifestyle just isn't overly present in their friend. You know, you don't see it unless you're living in a rural community, mm-hmm. which the three of us really are not. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in the suburbs of St. Louis here and all three of us, and you just don't see it where the priority is to go there because where are their friends at? You know, Cameron's in Cub Scouts, and I see it. All, we're starting to get conflicts between scouting events yep. and ball games. Yep. And now, you know, some of the other boys are like, yeah, I, we're, we're going to go to the ball game instead mm-hmm. of scouts. Well, hey, I was in scouts. I wish he'd go and become an Eagle Scout and do the whole thing. But if he's not in it, in, yep. into it because his friends are all in something else, you got to let them kind of be a kid. You do. And and then the hard part is you got the, like, she's in softball and soccer and they compete for the same seasons. Yeah. Mm. So soccer wants yeah. you in the fall and the spring softball one in the spring is a pri- primary in the fall. They're doing fall ball and getting ready for the next year. And, and so then it's tough because you're, you, you know, not only that, you know, do you, are you trying to find time to go there? Well, you're trying to find time between the two sports to, mm-hmm. to, to get them both in. And so, um, you know, it's a challenge. You sports have changed so much in the last 10 to 15 years, really. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't fault it. I don't knock it. I mean, the kids now, I look at the kids now development wise are way ahead Mm -hmm. of where we were. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying they have more opportunity and offer. The facilities are better, you know, and, um, you just, you just got to make sure they're in on it, you know, and they want to do. And that's why we've kind of watched from, from afar for the last two years, just seeing, you know, where they're at. And then Rhett's right. Rhett's right at the beginning of it. He's eight. You know, he's we're getting in a more competitive baseball uh, football is going to become, you know, tackle football here in a couple yeah. of years. And then, you know, the basketball is going to be, you know, we, we had five games in the spring, you know. So some of these sports, they just they never give you that that big break and you're always trying to intertwine them. But, yeah, the, the, then and Rhett's brought some friends up to the farm. Olivia's had some friends up there and we try to do that and they love it. I mean, to watch Rhett, he had his buddy up there uh, a couple of weeks ago. We shed hunted and uh, probably in February, March. And I mean, he was showing them everywhere, all his favorite spots on the farm. We stayed the night. Big we stuff, fished, right? you know? Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, more than anything, it helps you get to expose more kids mm-hmm. and parents and sure. families 
to that lifestyle and, and the things that, uh, you know, we've enjoyed for so long. The other complexity is trying to not project your own desires yeah. on your kids. Like I really want you to kill a turkey this spring. Yeah. or I really want this for you. And you have to give them some, you know, obviously some encouragement, but also give them some freedom to be themselves and follow their own path. It's tough because you, you know, just purchased a, piece of property and mm -hmm. we did all this work to the house. Mm -hmm. I did it so they would want to come there. Yep. And I think they Same do want to come there, yep. but we just haven't been there much. Yep. They haven't been there much. I'm there once a week, it yep. seems like. Yeah. And it's yep. a lot of work, you yep. know, and you're like, ah, man, so far it's not living up to my expectations, but I can't push them. You know, it's yep. an hour and a half away. And, and if we, it's rained so much this spring, like literally every weekend, it seems like it's raining. Mm -hmm. If you have an available weekend where it's not raining, and you don't have something already in the books. You're just like, hey, yeah, right. <laughs> can right. we sneak up there? Yeah. You know, and it's just yeah. like, God, I, I want it to be more organic. And, and, you know, Cameron, he came up for turkey season and he's like, he, by the end of it, loved it. Mm -hmm. He wants to go there all the time now. Mm -hmm. Lola hadn't had that chance yet. And yeah. I think if I could just get them there and start making the memories, we'll get yeah. to where you're, where sure. you're at there, yep. where they want to go. Yeah. yeah. And it's also important as they're making the memories to tell them you're making memories right now. <laughs> <laughs> remember yeah. these memories. You remember this. Yeah. <laughs> this will be a fun memory for you. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's the things at the farm now when we were talking like reflecting on the farm last night. It's the little things. It's uh, my grandpa had an old truck bed that that he turned into a, a trailer, yeah. like a little wagon. And I remember sitting on the back of that, dangling my feet off the back on the gravel road, mm -hmm. going to go, going from one pond to the other behind his big Ford tractor, yeah. you know, and uh, and going and catching frogs. Like I remember all that. Well, I have that trailer at the farm, nice, and I keep cool. it in the shed. You know, like I don't want it to be outside. I keep it in the shed protected. And he's got the wooden benches that he puts in there. It's all handmade and. And uh, so we hooked that up to the tractor and we go down and nice. we used to go visit the cows. And they remember that. Like, I remember going to visit the cows, you know, just driving the tractor down the road. And it's those things. It's the things you don't expect, I think, that come out of it. You know, like the hunting and the the fishing, those are the obvious, but it's those mm -hmm. other little things. It's the the campouts we had in the living room, you know, laying out that they remember having those at night and, yep. you know, sleeping out in the living room and doing those types of things. Mm -hmm. So it's all those other little smaller things that you can't anticipate I think that really sticks out with those kids. And, you know, I would say, man, just take pictures, you know, take, oh, yeah. take pictures. Mm -hmm. And I can go back through my farm folder on my phone and it's got 800 pictures of, you know, every, almost every fish they've caught and everything. Sure. And you see, you feel like it's overboard or all the campfires we had and catching fireflies and all that, you know, is just, uh, it, it's just cool to have a document. You never regret that stuff. No, no. So, all right. Looking ahead. Say the, you know, the farm, obviously you're listing it for a reason. So say it sells. It's haunted. <laughs> uh, what, what next for Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Know, what next for hunting? For well, you? I think I, I'm, you know, I have a buddy that, that just bought a property and he offered me to, he, he's never hunted, offered me to come over and try to help him get it set up. Yep. And, and it's 20 minutes from my house, yeah. you know? So mm -hmm. I think just kind of see, you know, see where that void is this year, see, um, what I'm missing, maybe we go through and don't even realize it. You know, maybe we're so busy and it, it, it's just one of those things that it's like, man, hunting season's here and it's a cold front and I'm not thinking about mm -hmm. being in a, in a tree stand. I don't think that will happen, yeah. but, um, you know, I want to give, I want to give my kids what, what they need, you know? And, and so if it's getting them to practice and you know how it is, you, you get up there, you leave at noon, you get up there, you get in the stand, you're sitting there, kids are off school. One's got practice here. Another's got practice mm -hmm. there. You feel guilty because you're sitting up there. You're yeah. not seeing anything. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of feel it out and see and see what our schedule provides. But I think in some, I mean, I'll, I'll I, I love the hunting side. I love the outdoor side. I love the, 
the the food plotting and the prepping. So I would imagine I'll find somewhere yeah. closer to home yep. that's more convenient that we can go and, and still have some of those experiences. Yep. Good. And Kyle, I've always wanted to ask you just as a, as a major league pitcher, when you started approaching archery, because pitching just seems like uh, it's just so technical. There's, there's such a mindset to it. Uh, what of that, if any, carried over into learning to shoot the bow and what, st- what still remains? Well, I think that, I mean, I, I would shoot quite a bit. You know, I think I'm used to mastering my craft, right? Mm-hmm. Like going out and, and repeating my mechanics and doing the same thing. Um, so I would shoot quite a bit and get, get dialed in and um, just try to repeat that, that over and over and over and over again. Um, then it's very similar to you can throw all the bullpens you want, but that game speed is a little different, you know, <laughs> sure. so than the hunting side. You know, I mean, I, they, I, when I first started, man, I was frustrating because it was like, man, I shoot so good at the target, but then when there's a deer out there, that's a totally different, I yeah. got panicked and I shot and I didn't even know what I was, I don't even know if I was looking through my peep. I was like, Blacked you know, out. yeah, you just don't <laughs> yeah. even know. So yeah. going through that process, the hard thing is that might only happen twice a year, yeah. you know, once a year, yeah. uh, once every couple of years. I mean, you don't get very many opportunities. So, right. um, but no, I think, I think just the, the attention to detail, the repeating, you know, mechanics and, um, and then I think the perfection of it, you know, like if I'm uh, going to go out there and, and shoot, um, you know, or if I'm going to food plot, I want to master that food plot to where I'm going to have the best opportunity at the best shot. I don't want to be taking an 80 yard shot. You know, I want to, yeah. I got to get it in here and get it dialed in. And, um, so I think just having that kind of that mindset is very similar. One of the things that's always amazed us because we've, you know, had a chance to meet a, a few ball players over the years, it's the hand eye coordination and the correlation that comes the eyesight, mm-hmm. the hand eye coordination, they can all shoot really well. <laughs> like it's amazing how that, you know, the athleticism shines through in the sport of archery too, for you guys. Yeah. And I remember, uh, the maybe second deer I harvested, Tim was filming. We were in a box blind and the deer came out of a totally opposite side that we thought. And we had to move all our gear and get situated. I got a cramp in my hamstring cause I'm down on my knee trying to turn around and my cramp and sure. it's a hundred it's the biggest deer I've ever shot. 168 inch, you know, white tail. Mm. And, uh, and I remember on that video, your dad said, he's like, it amazes me these athletes and their ability, their hand eye and their yeah. ability, their athleticism to be able to do it. Like, and I think for us, that's the, that's our, probably our, advantages like things don't go right we can adapt and and we don't have to be standing you know yeah. perfectly mm-hmm. balanced you know we can kind of make a lot of those because we made our living you know being balanced and doing awkward things yeah. um and and positions and and so it it does i think help to be able to adjust not get flustered mentally you know and just do what you got to do to T- make the shot tommy always says slow the game yeah. down slow the game down yeah. and that i mean mark mark uses that phrase all the time yeah you know yeah very it's, it's true yeah Yep. I've made a career out of doing awkward things. Yeah. And it's and not, saying awkward things. It's not. Uh, Got one right now. <laughs> it's not related to any kind of success for me, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe I just need to keep pushing in on that. Maybe. Huh. Yeah. It's strange. Keep trying. This is awkward right <laughs> now. <laughs> Welcome You're to the succeed. podcast. Just, make You're succeeding just wait right till now. the wildlife word. <laughs> So, hey, listen, we, I wanted you to come in because of the timing, you know, you're, you're getting ready to launch this new venture called the Chatterbox, a podcast. Chatter's Box. Chatter's Box, yeah. sorry, for um, uh, Cardinals specifically, Major League Baseball, the Cardinals specifically. It's their official podcast, and you're the host. you got a bunch of cool guests that you've lined up. You've yeah. already done several of the interviews. Kind of take us through, you know, launching this thing and, and how did it even come, come about, frankly. Yeah. So I've done radio for the Cardinals and KMOX for ever since I got done. 
um, a lot of pregame stuff, you know, and, and so, and it's fine. You know, I, I, I told them when I did it, look, I'm in Haiti for a week at a time doing our charity stuff. I'm at the farm hunting. Like I, I can't give you a consistent, I can't come to the studio. I'm not driving downtown St. Louis every day to do, mm-hmm. you know, a seven minute hit. And, uh, so I said, we can make it easy and do it on the phone. It was great, you know, and, <clears throat> but you can only, I mean, on pregame, you can only say, well, the pitchers need to keep the ball down. They need to get ahead. Hitters need to swing good pitches and defense needs to make the plays. You know, like you can only yeah. say that so many times. And so where I think my value, and you can get anybody to say that, my value as a former player and the relationships I hold with the players is that is that sit-down type interview. Mm-hmm. And so I, <clears throat> I I would go to spring training every year because we had a place down there and and uh, we would spend three months down there and and I would I would just go get interviews on my own. Um just one for practice and two, just to get it, to show what I could do. And, uh, and I got Adam and Yachty two years ago together and Adam Wainwright and Yachty, and they've never done an interview together. As far as I've known, uh, I, I wow. haven't seen, which is strange. I haven't seen a sit down interview. Maybe they've done like a, something you know, quick, yeah, but, like a couple but minutes, like thing. baseball tonight or something like that. You'd think that they would have done this. Yeah. And it's just hard. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, you got Yachty who's catching every day. The yeah. last thing he wants to do is sit down or get there early to do an interview. Adam's, you know, doing all these other things. So, um, it took me three years to get the interview. Um, and it just cause in spring training, those two guys are the busiest guys cause they're the mentors and working with Adam yeah, a lot. Right. I understand yeah. why it, took it was actually years. more Yachty than Adam. <laughs> um, cause Adam, I would go to Adam and he would say, you tell him whatever time's good for Yachty will be good. So I go to Yachty. He said, be here at this time. Well, I'd be there. And then he came in like 30 minutes later and he was like, sorry, I got caught in the cage. I was like, look, man, that's what you're here for. Like you need to be working with those younger guys. Sure, in the cage. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So it just didn't work out. And maybe for the better, um, so we finally get the interview. We do it. And, and, uh, the Cardinals never released it. Cam Wex did. And so I was telling some of the Cardinal people this year at fantasy camp in January this is the first year they're going to have me back to COVID. I took a two year break and I said, I, I'd really, I don't know if you saw my Adam and Yachty one, but I'd really like to do more like that. So I kind of planted a few seeds. And so they called me a week before the season and said, um, we're having you back and we want you to take our podcast. We're going to try a podcast and we <laughs> want you to take it and run with it. It's yours. We don't care about episodes we don't care about how much money we make like we just want it we just want you to take it and run with it and we'll see what happened and uh and so (laughs) so i sat down and i said okay i want to break this into series so you know i don't just want to do random i want to i want to break a series so if you're into the current team you can click on that and you can listen to all those interviews Mm -hmm. if you we're going to do a gold glove series um if you want to if you really like defense or you know, you can click on that. And you can listen to all those. We're going to do the 82 team because it's their 40 year reunion this year. If that 82 team was your team, you can click on that. Listen to all the cool. episodes. Uh, the last one, we're still waiting to see what that series is going to be. But uh, we start. We're starting off with a big one. Uh, Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he came in, and uh, the Cardinals told me I had 20 minutes with him. Uh, and I can't said, do anything in 20 minutes. <laughs> I, for said, a podcast. I said, uh, Albert came in. I said, Albert. Uh, they said I have 20 minutes with you. And he said, Okay. And I said. I can't do 22 years of a Hall of Fame career in 20 minutes. He goes, what do you need? I said, I, I need three different – I'd like to do the early years before you came to the U.S. or mm-hmm. like, you know, right, right when you came to the U.S. Then i like to do your prime, and then I want to do leaving and coming. Yeah. And I, I need a half hour of each. And he was like, cool, I'll do an hour on Monday with you. So we did 24 minutes, and it ended with his first day of spring training. Nice. And then, and then I cut it there, and then he came back. We did 71 minutes, and it ended up being mostly prime. Uh, not a whole lot of leaving and coming because I looked down, we were 37 minutes in, we were in like 2004 and I was like, Whoa, we gotta, I gotta get <laughs> going. I was like, here. so you won a world series? No six. That's cool. Let's go to, <laughs> you know, let's, yeah, let's move through some of these. So, um, it was really cool. I, and look, I got to play with him for four years. 
And, and that's a, that's a guy, like I will tell my grandkids stories of playing with him, right. Mm. And things I got to see him do. And, um, and, and so that was a cool experience, but sitting there and interviewing him in this depth and style, Mm -hmm. I could tell he enjoyed it. Um, and it it would, I just caught myself saying like, this is really cool. Like to be on this side, to be the one interviewing him, um, and so that's going to be our first one that's going to drop. And then we're going to do the Yachty Wayno one's going to drop. It was two years ago, but it's still relevant because what I did is I walked them through chronologically their career mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's still relevant to today's um, time frame. And then I did Ali uh, Marmol, the new manager, for 31 minutes. We'll go the next day. And then we're going to take a break and then come back. Uh, we're going to try to release in the middle of each month that new series. And so, so we're working on some So how many now. series – I guess there's not a set number of series per – or number of episodes, episodes. per series, so, is there? No, and I want to go de- – the Gold Glove one, we had ideas and um, we're up against availability of current guys, which is hard schedule-wise. Mm. So I feel like we're really kind of – like there's a homestand that goes by. We don't hear anything. We're like, man, now we got to wait for a whole yeah. road trip, mm-hmm. come back and hope that somebody can come do it. Uh, a couple of the guys we were hoping to get, <clears throat> I was trying to get all five Gold Glovers. Gold Glovers that won last year, which is the first time it's ever happened. But also what I want to do is, look, the Cardinals have a rich history. And so I want to connect those generations in every podcast if possible or mm-hmm. series. So if if Harrison Bader and, and, and Tommy Edmond aren't your jam with the current team, but you grew up in the 70s watching and somebody that won a Gold Glove in the 70s is or Keith Hernandez yeah. in the 80s, like that's who you really relate to. I want to pull those guys in and do a segment with them. And so you have the the current Gold Glovers and you have the older Gold Glovers. How has that changed? What did you work on in defense? And so you can listen to that. And then maybe through that, you become a Tommy Edmond fan yeah. through listening to what you're doing and you start watching the current games because of that. That would be my hope. So um, I, the Gold Glove one, I want it to be deeper. Uh, we've had a little issue with availability of some of the guys, and so it might not be as deep as I'd hoped. Yeah. Um, but the Cardinals are fine with that, and they said, hey, <clears throat> do what you can here. We'll sit down in September and see if we want to keep this going, uh, which I really hope our numbers are good enough that we do that because there's so much stuff I want to get into with mm-hmm. the history side of the Cardinals. Um, you know, if you go decade by decade, I think it would be really cool to to talk about kind of where how the Cardinals have gotten to where they are, and, and there's so many different – um, things we do. And then I'd like to branch out. I'd like to see if we can get Ken Griffey Jr. on. Oh, yeah. I'd like to cool. see if we can get, you know, non-Cardinal guys, yeah. but big names. Um, and I think if we can – look, the Cardinals have the fans, right? I think if we give them good content, it's going to mm-hmm. go crazy. And that's going to help us even get, you know, better and better guests as we're yeah. out marketing this. And um, my hope is that I think – I believe I heard him say MLB is asking every team to do a podcast. My hope is mm-hmm. we'll be number one by far. Sure. You know, and then – that will be something that will be easier to pull in other people. When to. do they actually launch it? Like when's it launching date wise? So yet? yeah, the 31st of May is going to be the first um, Albert one. Then the 1st of June will be the second one. And then the 2nd of June will be Yadi Wayno. And then the third will be the manager. So by the time this podcast airs uh, to our listeners, it will have launched. It will be out. Yeah. yeah. I That's cool. cool. Yeah, sure. we'll, we'll, I hope so. we'll put a link in the show notes so people can get to yeah, it. Yeah, and you can yeah. get it on all. Everybody asks, where can you get it? I, I'll be I'll be dead honest with you. I've never listened to a podcast. <clears throat> I've never I've never That's listened. Cool. I mean, I know you guys have an Sorry. amazing one. I've done several. So I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right in lockstep with the rest of the team. So, so yeah, you're good. <laughs> but I've never like that's just not how I consume my. Yeah. information like i get in my truck i turn on xm radio on the highway and i listen to country music or the garth channel or whatever um at night i turn on either live sports 
or the first 48 and watch murder mysteries. Like, I, like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what I, that's pretty much what I do. And so, um, I, I was actually playing golf yesterday with Randy Carricker, a, a radio guy here in St. Louis. And I had no clue who would, like, I didn't know he moved two years ago to a different time slot at ESPN radio. And, um, yeah, I just, that's just not how I do it. But, um, <laughs> so when I'm doing the, my, my wife loves to listen to him. And so she's like, you need to listen to a few before you host them. I said, I just want to, I want to do my own thing. I just want to, I go in with no <laughs> yeah, notes. I go in with no notes. You I know. go in with, you know, I just want to have a conversation mm-hmm. with the guys yeah. and, uh, and go from there. But, um, I, I think it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be very interesting and I want it to be more casual, more, you know, I'm not trying to get any dirty laundry on anybody. I'm just trying to expose these players to the fans in a way that maybe they haven't seen before yep. um, and show that these guys are, you know, kind of what they've gone through or what their background is. Maybe talk a little inside baseball. There you go. There Whoa. you go. A little locker room talk. Yeah. Thought about wow. that one last That's night. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down. Well, and, and I imagine having been in, in their shoes that they – you probably approach them and they probably feel a little bit differently than just being interviewed by some well, I know random the questions sports reporter. Ask. You know, I think I, I know, I know where to go with the questions, mm-hmm. you know, and like, like with Albert, I, I lived it. So it was easy for me interviewing some of these other guys and the 82 team. I'm going to have a co-host cause I didn't, I wasn't even born then. You have to do a little homework and, you and know. that, and I, but I don't want to miss that. So I'm having a co-host, Dave LaPointe, who was on the team. He's hilarious. He'll be a great co-host, but he can pull that out of guys. And and I I'm I'm doing that because I don't want to miss that. Like I don't want to miss that that May game in 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 Minnesota that I didn't know about. And there was a team fight in the locker room. Or you know I'm not saying yeah, it was, sure. but like those things are are what really makes this kind of getting that in depth yep. um, look into. And so to have that camaraderie with those guys will be great. But like with Albert, for instance, the Brad Lidge moment, right? rocked his world before we went into 2005 yeah before we went into the interview one of the cardinals guys that's helping with it i said i honestly hadn't even thought about where i wanted the interview go Mm -hmm. and i said hey it's 10 minutes before albert shows up i'm like is there anything you think i need to make sure i hit on (laughs) and he was like you know the brad lidge thing he never really talks about he kind of gives that well i got a good pitch i put a good swing on it he goes i've asked him about i know a million people have asked him i wonder if he would go a little different with you and uh so we get to it and i start talking and he went i mean he went on Hmm. And he gave some pretty cool insight um, into that <clears throat> that whole process leading up to it. And then he said something afterwards. Because um, if you ask him, he's like, eh, I mean, it's just like, it was a cool moment, but it didn't like. <laughs> he it, silenced 50,045. <laughs> well, well and he said too, he goes, it would have been a lot cooler if we would have won the next day. But yeah, we got destroyed yeah, they, the next yeah, day. Yeah, sure. They did at home. It yeah. was brutal. But he said something in that, that in that podcast that shows you that that was a major moment for his career. And he's still uh thinks about it and enjoys it and there's something in that in his story that when he said it i was like okay that's a big deal to you you know you might not say it but because of that of what you're still doing every time you go back to that place Hmm. it's a major that's a major part of his career you know and yeah and he has he's never forgotten that and um neither has houston i I don't think (laughs) i don't think i I asked albert if he was if he was jealous of david trees you know and and that that to me I think fans should know that um, if he is or not, because that's something that like I've been, I've been sitting in the bullpen they call a guy. I'm like, dang it, man, I want to be that guy. Yeah. You know, like I want to mm-hmm. go out in that situation. Yeah. yeah. And you're referring to the 2011, uh, you know, championship run Yeah, and David freeze hometown St. Louis guy. He came up and he just had a game of all games. Yep. And basically he, he willed us into <laughs> the, the, the final game. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and, and Albert, and he's the MVP. Yeah. Albert, the one thing Albert doesn't have on his resume is a World Series MVP. And so I asked him that, not in a way, not in a slap in the face, sure. but <laughs> as a like, hey, as a normal human being, is there yeah. any? And he, he answered, he's like, no. He goes, if you look, though, Usually it's not the superstar that's the MVP. Yeah, it's some we get walked. David Fr- <laughs> you know, they, uh, they allow David Eckstein. Exactly. You know, so, you, know you yeah. think about these guys, and and that same World Series, Albert Pujols hit three home runs oh, in yeah. a single game. Yeah. I mean, he, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. He had a hell of a he, series. Yes, so, yes. but anybody else asking that question, he probably walks out. Yeah, you know, and sure. so I, I I had it in my head. Yeah. For for thirty minutes, do I ask? Do I ask? Do I ask? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I just think it's something that, like, I think that's a a normal feeling that people should mm-hmm. know which way or the other you know and he was like not nah. and I, trust me i am super happy that david freeze did what he did i got a really big ring and albert's the same way but i wanted people to see that like when you're on a true team that that pulls for each other and that your your goal is a championship that stuff doesn't play you know sure. it's like hey i yeah. just want to win and and that's ultimately what uh um the kind of the answer he gave but that's an example of like Probably, you can get away with something. Yeah, probably a lot of people can get away with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because well, he and, knew where I was coming from. Yeah, you know? and that's why people tune in. Like, I, I think people watch this show because they like some of the behind the scenes information. Talking about Mark and Terry, or the yeah. you know the old year, you know the golden yeah. years of the company, that kind of stuff. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a unique insight that they get that they probably couldn't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They're listening to this podcast and thinking the first ten minutes had hunting, and then we 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 <laughs> just went off track. But the reality is, for our for our company, baseball, especially Cardinal baseball, and our company go hand in hand. Yeah. They, they really are. Mark and Terry and and my grandma and grandpa are, are huge fans, and and it just it's been a part of our company for so long, dating back to you know oh you know maybe maybe even earlier than this because I know they met Will. Um, Clark. Will Clark back in the day when he came over uh, to the Cardinals and, you know, we, you know, Mike Matheny and all these guys, they struck up a friendship and it's just kind of the last 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. they've had a real good connection there at, at Bush Stadium where the mm-hmm. Cardinals play. And it's just a big part of who we are as a family that grew up just south of St. Mm-hmm. Louis and KMOX and mm-hmm. hell, you you know, you, you, you work with them every day. That was a, that's the tradition there for the Midwest, I think a lot of people, listeners could probably re- relate to that. Mm-hmm. Turn of the dial to KMOX yeah. and listening on AM radio, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And so anyways, it's a, it, it intertwines with jury outdoors. Well, and if it wasn't, if it wasn't for baseball, I wouldn't be involved. I wouldn't hunt. I wouldn't yeah. be involved mm-hmm. in the hunting side. And with it, I mean, I've been with jury outdoors since what is this? 14 years now, yeah. 15 going on 15 years. Um, you know, just because of that relationship, but I have, I, Mark invited me up uh 2014 and i hunted with him and i i told him i i will the things i learned i probably hunted 12 days maybe total Mm -hmm. the things i learned in those 12 days i will my kids will benefit from you know like just having that yeah i mean it was it was unbelievable to see and to be there and to you know he'd walk out he'd walk out of the house and he'd look up and then he'd be like ah clouds this that and he's like yep they're gonna move it you know whatever time and we get out there and i'm telling you i mean it is like he does not waste a minute in that stand. No. I mean, we are two minutes in <laughs> deer out and the deer out, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, and then one day you're an hour later than you were the day before and you show up, there's no deer in the field. You get in two minutes later, here comes yeah. the first deer. It's crazy. He's efficient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was there any story from that, that trip that you, cause that was Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you were bow hunting up mm-hmm. there with him. Any stories mm. from that period? Any any mishaps? Any mess oh, yeah. ups? Yeah, a couple <laughs> let's, of them. Let's hear about no it. pressure. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> Taylor harvested 
uh, ranger, right? She ended yeah. up harvesting him. Well, that was thankful to me for messing up the year huh. before on him. Um, we had sat, uh, I think, it, so before that, there was another deer that came up. We were hunting real close to their house, and this deer came out and just totally whiffed them, like just totally missed. Um, and so drive back and then come back up. You know, we were playing the weather fronts, come back up. And so we come out during the rut. And, and we're sitting in this stand on this beautiful little saddle um, on top of this ridge. And he was like, he's going to come out from down here if he comes. And so we're all set up, you know, and it would be that it would be behind us. And so he comes out in front of us mm. on a doe. And I'm like, Tim, well, there was ranger and then there was danger. So danger who Mark ended up harvesting yeah. was Big like deer. <laughs> a two year old or three year old looked exactly like ranger but had like a little bump on like his G2 or three. And so, you know, when you get out there, Mark, and that's why it's called danger. They didn't want him to be shot. Shoot him. Yeah. He was, he, there was one deer that was off limits and Mm -hmm. you know, Mark, when you get up there, he's sending you all these trail cam pictures. So I'm sitting there going through the phone and I'm like, I'm like, can I, can't I, can't I, can't I? So I'm like, Tim, so Tim Siegler's (laughs) filming. I'm like, Tim, and he's like, that's that's 100% Ranger. I was like, are you a 100? Because I will let that deer walk versus shooting the wrong deer. I will murder you if you (laughs) screw this up. So so he's like hundred percent that's him. And so I'm going through pictures and looking and he, I mean, it's just beautiful footage. He comes out and he walks and he gets 14 yards. And when I had to pull, there was a limb right there and I had, I had to get up over it. So I had to actually stand and get up and it was real quiet. And he, he looked at me and as soon as he looked, he, he tucked and run. <sighs> and so I never got the shot. And so I text Mark and I said, we just spooked uh, ranger. So I get all these choice words back at me. Well, Wade ended up harvesting that night. And so we're watching the recovery and the, the camera stops and Mark starts going off and yelling. Oh, and no. he was like, that's right. When you texted me that you spent <laughs> a ranger. And I was like, so you weren't real happy. So then, um, um, so then I go back up. It was a uh, green revisited phase. So it was right after Thanksgiving, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Went back up, met Mark at the gas station and he's going to film me. Uh, oh, the worst pressure. Uh, so, so, so I've that's missed, exactly what I hope never happens to me. <laughs> I've missed one. I've spooked one. And now he's filming me. And that's why he's you. filming you. Yep. He is, <laughs> well, he's it was the day after Thanksgiving, so I don't know if anybody was available. But we we go in there, and it was a, it was a, a place we had hunted before. And uh, we go in, and we're sitting there, and we're in this this blind and and. Uh, Deer, he's like, there's your boy right there. He comes out. And it's funny because, I mean, you know, the, the whole phases thing, we hunted that before and not a single deer even looked at that green. It went straight to the grain. Mm-hmm. And so Mark's like, we're going to hunt there. I'm like, this is stupid. We're wasting time. <laughs> like I've hunted that yeah. and they're not going to. Every deer didn't even look at the grain. They came all right to the green. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it was like a couple week difference. And the difference of the, of the way they acted. So they all come in. That deer's right there. And Mark's like, shoot him. I, I can't see him you know, we're in this box blind. I can't, I don't have the same angle as you know, your cameraman and you have totally different yeah. angles mm-hmm. sitting, you know, two feet apart. And so he's like, yeah, he's like, shoot. And I'm like, I can't <laughs> see the deer. And so he leans over and he's care. like, I see, I see what you're talking about. So we start moving in the blind. This deer is like you yeah. know, 15 yards away. So, um, we end up, I, he comes in, I get the shot and I, I put it back farther than I normally would because I had hit one on my farm that year early, uh, front, like in the mm-hmm. shoulder, the shoulder shot. So I'm trying yeah. to get off the shoulder and I go back and I shoot him and Mark's like, why'd you shoot him so far back? Uh. And I'm like, I didn't want to shoot him in the shoulder. So, uh, we ended up going Mexican that night and, uh, and then went back and recovered him. Um, but it was cool, but it was stressful, man. Having Mark <laughs> filming you, 
you know, after you've messed up a couple on his farm, I'm like I'll never uh, get this invite back again. That says something. If a major league baseball pitcher is stressed out <laughs> oh, yeah. in a hunting situation, oh, yeah. like you get thousands of people watching you throw a ball, tens yeah. of thousands. <laughs> it ended Jeez. up that deer was a stud, man. It went 166 inches. But I mean, when you walk in, it had the a lot farm, of mass. Oh, when yeah. you walk in, I mean, carried it all the way out. So I killed a 168, but next to each other, it, he dwarfs that 168. Mm-hmm. That 168 was kind of a basket, but he had a lot of extra real tall but he was kind of tucked in i mean this one if you were to draw a 10 pointer he was pretty it was he was awesome and he had some great trail cam pictures of it obviously i mean of course he had seven thousand of them <laughs> but, um, from birth yeah but it was <laughs> right. uh i mean it was a cool those were that was a trip i'll uh i'll never forget and i still to this day put in my preference points of old uncle mark wants to ever <laughs> send the yeah. invite out again i'm i'm ready to go he might be like in three years like nope i can come right now <laughs> I'm, I'm ready good. i got like well, eight preference points and <laughs> i i i just this year i hope fingers crossed i should have five points he's said i could come up there you go this will be my first time ever yep. ever going to iowa to mm-hmm. hunt and the scenario that you just laid out <laughs> keeps me up at night <laughs> i hope scott are you listening over there i hope that they don't uh, put mark with me just from a standpoint of making me nervous uh, i don't want that at all yeah. like he, he could put wade or perry or any of the other guys like hey that's fine you know we i won't shoot i don't care if it's yeah. a 200 inch right. deer. he says he's a yeah. four-year-old and he's on the no shoot list i'm right. used to that yep. I, yeah, yeah. I get that don't worry about that yeah. Take the crossbow. Yeah, but Take I don't crossbow. I just don't wanna I just don't wanna mess up. Bad shot. I even told Scott the other day, you I usually don't start shooting until July, August. Sure. And I, I was like, I, this year I, I'm gonna start shooting uh, earlier just to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm in prime shape. But because yep. the other Smart. thing is he'll he'll look at deer cast and he'll say, oh, yeah. I've seen him do it with you or other guests forever. It's just like, hey, you need to come you up to this tomorrow, yep. today, yep. what tonight, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you gotta get drop everything and go. Mm-hmm. And uh so you better be prepared. Yeah, he'd be watching, he'd say, he'd text me and be like, these are the three days you you need to be here, and it'd be a day or two in advance. You know, and, and, and that was up. pre-deer cast days. Yeah. So well, he was th- his own deer cast. That's right, right. and that's yeah. why they. I mean, they talk about it all the time, but that's why Mark and Terry finally kind of put put yeah. all these thoughts together into this algorithm and said, you know what? Instead of us having to, you know, spend hours figuring it out every day, mm-hmm. we'll pump it out in this algorithm and I, show you when to go. I mean, I grew up hunting from. I mean, I would text Mark, you know, early on questions. Mm-hmm. So like, like. Do, I feel like I don't need deer cast because I know what it's going to say. Yeah. You know, because that, and then that, that 14 days or whatever it was, I hunted with them. I mean, I came back and applied that to my farm. And and I think what it really helped me with was, you know, on one farm, you might have a couple food plots, you know, whatever, but you're going to, if you have a day, you're going to go hunt it. And what I think helped me more than anything was I wouldn't hunt it. Yeah. You know, I would not hunt the marginal days and, Mm -hmm. and capitalize on the good days. I think that is the one thing I learned more. And, and that came from, Mark would hunt it, but he would hunt the spot that had the perfect wind, the yeah. perfect situation for that. He'd hunt smart. And, and he would wait for, okay, we're only hunting this on a north-northeast, and you might only get it six times a year, but we'll kill them on yeah. – it's going to be one of those six days. We are not going in the day before and busting them. And, and that – watching that um, helped me on my place say – you know, because the people say, "Well, you can't you can't kill them on the couch." Yeah. Well, no, but you can spook them if you're if you're not on the couch. <laughs> yeah, you, you can, can do scare damage. them away. <laughs> um, and so I think that helped me more than anything on well, that. We had Kevin Van Dam on last week, and he 
he said that very thing. He's like, man, as much as anything, it's kind of showed me, you know, when I shouldn't be out there yep. and how important that is. And I understand like, Hey, if you only got, if you only got 10 days ago, you're going, you're going. Yep. And, and, and but, plenty of people have killed on yep. a bad deer cast day. You just, yeah. you, yep. you never know. There's always that aspect. You never know. But in general, like, you know, uh, I'd say it's a 90% plus percentage that this thing's going to be pretty accurate in predicting what your deer are going to do. Well, and if you look at consistency, like you look at people that kill big deer like once in a while or the people that kill big deer year after year, yeah. right? And on my farm, we took a deer almost every single year. And it was because I had it dialed down. I knew the spots to be in. I knew the days to go. I had the food in the right place. Like I knew I was – and, and really the cameras for me would tell me. If I went back to every deer I ever killed – and I went back to all the trail cam pictures, all of a sudden it'd be like, they're more visible for the three, four, five days leading up to it. And then boom, all of a sudden we got it done, you know, where they might go all nighttime, you know, whatever, where all of a sudden they show up in daylight, they're mm -hmm. making mistakes. And then boom, you could, I mean, you could almost book it based on those trail cameras and how much they're around, uh, you know, it, that the trail cameras and deer cast to me are the, are the, the two biggest tools you could ever use to be successful and more importantly a cell camera yes <laughs> i mean where you're you know you're an hour and a half from your house hour and 20 minutes from your house there the farm was and same with my i mean you got when you're that far away you kind of need mm -hmm. that kind of intel mm -hmm. to help you and it, even then doesn't mean you're going to kill no. that deer mm -hmm. uh, most but, times it doesn't but it does tell you that they're in the area yep the biggest deer i killed on my farm and the most storied deer on my farm was warning track and i missed them the year before i've known him for four years He's a five-year-old buck, and I knew he lived in this field, but he also left about November 2nd, and he wouldn't come back until next spring and uh, or next summer. And and I, we were getting close. I had seen him. Uh, the year before, I saw him four times. I missed him. And then the next year, I hadn't seen him, hadn't seen him, but he's been on camera at night. And all of a sudden, I got a trail cam picture about 10 minutes after dark, and he was on my scrape tree. And I texted my camera guy. I said, he's he's about to mess up he's fixing the die. we went up the next day that was on the 30th maybe so we missed halloween went up on november 1st and i we went up early and i pulled that camera and sure enough he was on a doe and so i knew if he was still on that doe those does were coming to the food plot we we're gonna have a crack and sure enough about and you know if you get him on camera there at the scrape tree he could have been in the field for two hours and you don't know it yeah, you oh know, yeah. down there just kind of taking his time and so sure enough, next night he came out at like 2.30, 3 o'clock, something. Like mm, early. It was early. Perfect. Uh, maybe it wasn't that early because the time hadn't switched yet. But it was it was early. I mean, we had like three hours of daylight. Came out on a doe, and we did it. If it wasn't for that picture, we had actually given up on him. We're hunting a different deer on the south part of the farm mm. because he was more visible. That picture right there changed my whole philosophy, went up and had the hunt of a lifetime and, and shot mm. the biggest deer and most story deer of the history of my farm. Is that the one where you got the exit shot the on Reconyx camera where you one of your deer? That was you, later that year. Was it yeah. late that season? That was the deer. gun. That was the gun yeah. shot. This is the one that uh he came up on a doe, he ran off and then came back out and shot him at like, you know, twenty two yards. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. And I I'm glad I missed him a year before because he put on oh, yeah. all kinds of mass and stickers stickers and, yeah, yeah like I a, remember he ended up being a 14 point instead of an eight point Jeez. nine point was that the critical mass year that you yeah. won yep yeah yeah oh we should have said that in the intro winner of critical mass yeah, i think it yeah. kind of goes without saying three people just think, know i think season three yeah it was that was the best year i, I harvested that buck which was <laughs> not, not being biased but that was the best year of the show <laughs> well best, that was that was my best hunting <laughs> year crap <laughs> i had i harvested that deer which was my I mean, that, that was my deer on the farm. Yeah. I mean, of the history of my farm, that there was one other deer that got close, but that was the one 
killed the, my other target buck with a gun. My son harvested a doe, and my daughter harvested her first buck. So it was pretty like, special. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was and she was, I mean, it was adorable. Her yeah. reaction and, you yeah. know, recovery yeah. and all that stuff. It's th- yeah. those hunts with your kids were, were the best hunts. They were really. good. Yeah, they yeah. were. Rhett's always got some good one-liners. Oh, yeah. His <laughs> heroes. I mean, he's a man when he's buying that deer, doe, buck, whatever. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got really, it all. He knows exactly what he's going to He's been say. watching. He's been yeah. watching. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yep. So, Kyle, in addition to uh, the podcast and broadcasting and hunting, you also have a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk a little bit about what you're doing there with Brace for Impact. Yeah, so Adam Wainwright kind of got us involved in this. 2014, took my wife and I to Haiti. Um on a trip there, we were looking to get involved and we wanted to be here in St. Louis um, and just couldn't find our fit here in St. Louis and talking through Adam. He said, Hey, we're doing this stuff in Haiti. And uh, so we went down and we were like, this is where we need to be. Um, Knew it was the right thing. And so we locked in there with Adam and another partner. Um, And so we started with the children's home. Now there's a school, there's a hospital. The kid grew up in our orphanage, became a doctor, runs this hospital. There's a vocational school, water and sanitation. Um, They have a farm. Now they're growing chickens. Um, what was it about Haiti that made you realize like this, this needs our focus? It was, uh, the, the infrastructure was in place to be successful. So what I realized early on was I don't want to make all the decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, and I think this is where we would have messed up in St. Louis. I think we would have came in and said, this is what we want it to look like. This is what we want you to do. This is how you're going to do it. When we went to Haiti, six kids that grew up in an orphanage together, all had this idea to do what people have done for them. And so they wanted to create this atmosphere for other people in their situation. They sit on the board. They call the shots. And what I quickly learned is we could all, Matt maybe not included because he's been there, but we could all go jump on a plane, head down to Haiti, and you could all tell me what you think they need. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be right because you don't live in it. You don't know the situation. You don't know what they go through. We think we tend to think so high level um, that we miss the, the very basic things Mm -hmm. that really they need first before they can get to the other things. And so, um, we just, I just knew that I could come in, we could fundraise and then we had great partners that were trusted that Mm -hmm. could go do it for me to go to a third world country and randomly find people that I trust. It would take so long, you know, and this is already there already in place. They're already, you know, doing great things. So we just were able to enhance that along with Adam. And so it's, it's, I mean, exploded. I mean, they have had since our first trip down there in 2014 to probably four years later. I mean, it is, there's a lot going on. Um, and they're able to manage it and do it well. Um, two years into that, we said, we need, we need to come back to St. Louis. We've learned our lessons. We need to come here. So we found a great partner in St. Louis and, uh, we're doing community development, uh, in North city, St. Louis and same model. Uh, we have a great partner that we trust mm-hmm. and support. Um, it just looks different, right? So sure. the, their needs here are different than the needs in Haiti. Um, but we get to come in, we, we, we help our partner purchase and renovate homes that are in really bad condition, um, abandoned, which mm-hmm. caused a lot of issues in the community. We rehab them, hire all local workers. So we hired 80% minority rate. So we're hiring people that live in and around the community. And mm-hmm. so you get to be a part of this transformation. Um, and then, we place family, they place families in the home and, and, and surround them with, um, a community coordinator that helps that family write a life plan for them and walk them through every step of the way to be successful. Sure. And the cool thing is we're to the point where we're getting those stories and those successes, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a while, you know? Mm-hmm. So for four years, I'm like, I need you to donate again. And they're like, well, what's happening? I'm like, just bear with me. And then now it's to the point where we're cranking out success stories, um, 
and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch our partner there and his platform be elevated and the, his leadership skills and the other things he's got going. Mm-hmm. He's got another project going um, the, as a, he calls the community hub where nonprofits come in there. Mercy has an urgent care in there. First mm-hmm. time they've ever done it in the inner city. Um, I mean, it's just, it's cool to see him thrive in this because, um, you know, he's, he's, it's now becoming a place that's attractive. People want to be a part of it because they're seeing the success. And the ownership, I think the, you know, what you guys learned in Haiti and brought into St. Louis that the ownership of the community Mm -hmm. to do the work. Mm -hmm. And that's the big step and the big part of it. And you see, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to be able to come to the, some of the galas that you guys put Mm -hmm. on the fundraising things and to see their stories and hear their stories in person. And, you know, they get up and speak some of the success stories, uh, you know, a a mother, a single mother, and she's Mm -hmm. not got a job and she's, you know, they're, they're paying their way, you know, to, to, to live in these homes that have been rehabbed. And it's, it's, it's pretty special. And the Haiti side is, is very special. I mean, it's unique and there's a lot of needs. I didn't, the very first time he told me about it, I said, Hey, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what's outside of this, area you, you know what i mean like especially don't know what's down in haiti i have no idea what's mm-hmm. going on down there and you said something about you know hey you know i i was the same way but you can't think locally you need to think globally mm-hmm. and that struck a chord with me and then justin lurk and i went down on a trip a, 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 a guy's trip down there and did some work and and got to experience it and it was life-changing and that's not not a lie at all to yeah. say mm-hmm. well what you realize is and i think that's why i love that we have the international and local side because i was the same way i wanted to only do local mm-hmm. you know i was like i don't care about international like we have problems here yeah and and that's the number one thing i get well i can answer that now because i was in your same boat but i can tell you that people are people right and and there's need everywhere and and i'm not criticizing anybody for helping anywhere if you see a need and you feel compelled to go do it go do it mm-hmm. go help people i don't care where they're from, whatever people need help. And if you're passionate about it and you have the ability to, to, to do something about it, go do it. You know, don't, doesn't matter where it doesn't matter. Like we get so focused on like on our, on our, our County and our state and our country lines, you know, uh, I'm a person of faith and I think those lines are, you know, our, our creator doesn't have those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't see those lines. He sees people and, uh, and he needs people that, that have an influence and have the ability to go do that, to go, do that and go help people. And, and, uh, the, at the end of the day, I don't want to have to answer for, uh, you've been, you've been given a great position to where, you know, people of influence, you had a great career. Um, what did you do with that? Yeah. You know? And, and so that's the one thing that, that drives me is like, man, I want to use what I've been given and so fortunate for to go do something for, for other people. And, um, uh, the Haiti thing's been, I, I'll never, we've raised a lot of money for Haiti. Mm-hmm. I'll never be able to outgive what Haiti's given me. Mm. No matter, sure. I don't care how much money we'll raise, you know, and it's made me a better husband, a better father, a better all around person. Because when you get out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, why don't people go? I'm comfortable. I don't want to go down there. I don't know. I, I got to get shots and I got to do this and I got to go. And it's like, man, once you go there and see it and then, and then what you do is you fall in love with the people, right? Like those are amazing people mm. that have, a very limited future due to opportunity. Yeah. Due and to things that are out of their control. They have no Nothing control over. People say all the time, well, if you work harder, better things will come. That ain't Not the case. down there. <laughs> there ain't nobody here that works harder than those people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and the the difference is here, if you work hard and there's opportunity, mm-hmm. there you work hard and you're just working hard. You just yeah. survive. You know? yeah. yeah. And that's the that's the difference. And so it's I, I think from a life perspective, like everybody needs to do 
doesn't have to go out of, you know, go to a third world country, but put yourself in uncomfortable situations and watch yourself grow. Um, you know, cause if not, man, you're just, you're just kind of sitting in your own bubble mm -hmm. and, and you're not getting better from it. And so it's been the charity side, like we've been able to raise a lot of money. We've been able to help a lot of people. We've also been able to bring a lot of people along with us. And the, the North city thing has given me a lot of opportunity to, to have a conversation with people of everybody. Everybody wants to tell me why people are in the situation they're in. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, when's the last time? You, well, I've never been down there. Well, like, okay, well, that's what you're saying isn't actually happening. And here's, you know, some things that are happening. And this is what, you know, people are going through and, um, and how we can help. So it's just allowed for some great conversations. And I hope it challenges some people. Definitely. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not out to change people, you know, but I'm out to just offer maybe a little perspective of, you know, something that might think about and, um, might think about things a little bit differently. My buddy actually moved into one of those homes that was rehabbed down on Enright through Love the Lou and, mm -hmm. and all, mm -hmm. you know, the, the work that they're doing down there. And it's been amazing to hear his perspectives change over time, having lived yep. in and, and been embedded in that community and just, you know, some of the preconceptions that he had yep. before moving down there. Now to hear him talk, just a totally different world. And you can see why there's, a long history of racial issues and mistrust mm -hmm. as you start to learn a little bit more about it, which is one of the reasons that we have our partner that we support, you know, for me to go in there and do it is a totally different deal than if we have our partner, if we have a true partnership. Um, and he's so, there in the community. Yeah, he's, he's there every he's day. He knows helping them. people every he, day. He knows the community. He knows their needs and he knows how to address it. You know, for us to come in, there's so much, time of of getting to know each other and, and building that trust relationship so, yeah it's the same thing in haiti right like mm -hmm. our haitian people they know the community they know what the needs are and they're able to address them for us it would we would it would take us 50 years yeah to get to where we're at with still might people. not have it because they've been there's so many th you know you think yeah i always i often think of government and like right now with ukraine and how you know 40 million or 40 billion dollars or 50 billion dollars we're pledging this and they're pledging money <laughs> billions of dollars nonstop to this whatever the latest news cycle tragedy is mm -hmm. and you think about haiti and the earthquakes and you know they've, they've been through it all mm -hmm. and every you know Years later, you hear about all the corruption mm -hmm. that was tied to like in the 90s mm -hmm. when, you know, the Clinton Foundation. Yeah. Like When you just throw money at something. When you yep. throw money at mm -hmm. something, there's always per, per, uh, parasites, per, you know, piranhas that are going to go in there and just try to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, when you go there, when we, uh, was it Cap Haitian we fly yeah. into? Yeah. And you go through that city to then <laughs> to go to where we're, we're going to the orphanage. They don't like white people, mm -hmm. you, you know, but it's they're not but, sure why you're there, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. and, and there's a lot not, of distrust there. They're not know? directly, they're not directly benefiting from you being there. And so they're not sure why you're there. And then you're tied to all the other things. And that's the, that's the thing. Like we are tied to all of the, the long history of things that have happened, you know, and until they get to know you and you get to know them. But now it's different when you go in our community. Right? Oh, they love you. Right. Blanc, blanc. Right, right. <laughs> it's but it's, it's they awesome. Have, the kids are have, running with the, you know, the big cool. truck we're driving. Yeah, and, and they have toilets. There. They have water. Yeah. They're, they're getting medical care for free. They're coming to our school. And so they're benefiting from it. So then they know. So then you, it's that now that's that relationship. And then it's the long, it's the long game, right? So mm -hmm. those kids are going to go up through our school. Uh, we're building a high school right now because we got uh, ninth graders right now. It's starting 10th cool. grade next year. And, and then they're going to go out in the community and it's going to, it's, it's the long game. You know, you can't do it. Money ain't going to fix it right away. You have to fix 
the, the, the infrastructure and you have to address the basic needs mm-hmm. so that people can continue to, to make progress. And that's the correlation back home. Yep. You got to start yep. at the beginning, at the mm-hmm. bottom. Yeah. And, you know, they got, they built a hospital, they built these schools, mm-hmm. they built the, the orphanage itself. I mean, like the things down there, the campus kind of, it's campus at yep. this point. Yep. It's amazing. Yep. It really is amazing. Tucked in the most beautiful setting you'd ever <laughs> see. And after, I should have done this before we went down there, but after, and, and getting to kind of see this for myself, I started doing more research on kind of the history. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I mean, Talk about abuse of you know, the, their people and the history behind it. It's it's horrible. It, you yeah. know, just go to Wikipedia and type in Haiti and go back, you know, several hundred years and yeah. see what what's well, happened to them. They're the first country to to win their freedom from slavery, and and then the French at a price made them pay. Yeah, the equivalent of like eighty billion dollars or something oh. for loss of property. Yeah. That they never still, could recover from. There's, no, and they're still, yeah. yeah, they're still paying the debt of that, of, you know, the people or just the lack of infrastructure and all the, like, why do all these other Caribbean countries I was gonna say, know, have some They're attached and the, they're on the same island as, as the, the Dominican. Dominican. Yeah. You, you, you think of the Dominican, you're like, hey, I'm going to go to vacation. Right. This is going to be great. You don't think about that with Haiti. Yeah. It's just, no. it's, it's the, a shame because it it's, it's beautiful and oh you could gosh. do it, but yeah. there's just a lot of reasons, infrastructure being the main. Yeah. Um, that isn't there, but you know, it's, it's a, people ask all the time. They're like, well, can you, how can you come down here with all the need? It's like, man, you keep your head down and just, you know, you just, you got to look, you can't fix everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah. you, you create an environment. It's going to be good. We're, we're starting to work on transitional housing for kids out of the orphanage. So it's not just, we're here until you're 18 and then that's great. You know, you go on and we start the cycle over. It's like, we're committed to you for life. So we're going to mm-hmm. put you in an apartment style building. You're going to pay rent. You're going to learn. We're going to bring in some other people from the outside community that can rent from there. So now you can learn to deal with people in the community. They've never had to do that. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to, you know, so we're working on that plan. The last two years of high school, they'll go through as a class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, and our program manager who grew up in Haiti is a big part of that, um, of, of wanting to have that that process. And um, so that those kids have the best chance to be successful. Sure. We've covered a lot of wide topics here. We've talked hunting, we've talked baseball podcasts, nonprofit. I mean, we've been all over the The last Apple podcast review that we got uh, last show, (laughs) the guy specifically called out that he loves the fact we stay on topic. (laughs) Don't listen to that. Sorry, Mike Hunstein. It it is on topic. I just, I I touch a lot of different areas. That's right. I have a lot of different stuff going. That's right. All right. Well, uh, we've got a real wild clip this week, and I'm curious as you guys watch it. Would you shoot this deer? All right. So real wild clip. It's something we're doing on social media. We show it on the podcast. We show this clip that we found. Usually Scott or somebody on the team finds it on social media, and then we comment on it, give our commentary. This one is a deer cast, Jim. I don't know. This one has seen the light of day on social anywhere. We pulled it from the the, the bottom of the barrel inside deer cast. The belly of the beast. The, the double B. Okay. Okay. So play the clip there, Alan. All right. So what are we looking at here? Like a, it looks like iPhone footage from a guy. It's ground level in the woods, and something white is in. Oh, oh my goodness! It's an albino buck. That's oh, he just cussed. Like he just said a curse word, <laughs> <laughs> but he whispered it. That's okay then. It's uh, this deer's probably at fifteen yards. That's a nice deer too. It really yeah, it is. It's a real nice deer. Chalk, kind of a chocolate rack. Mm-hmm. And he's completely broadside. Definitely a mature buck. He's got a brisket on him. So the question is, would you? You said that. Would you shoot? 
an albino buck. I appreciate you reiterating the question. Listen, <laughs> I, I I would not. I don't think I could. I that's just me. I, I mean, that's a trophy, no doubt, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an awesome trophy. But I would not care to shoot it, honestly. I would have to text my buddy who's a game warden and see if you can shoot it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, in Illinois, you cannot. I, I know albino, at least last I checked, yeah. you cannot. In in Missouri, albinos are fair game. Um, Racist. I, big time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's it's hard it's hard to tell sometimes, you know, uh, an animal could be a piebald, mm-hmm. you know, pr- but still predominantly white. And mm-hmm. so you kind of re- you really got to watch it. My guess is that this guy was in a state where it is illegal to shoot an albino animal. I mean, it's amazing to see this deer. That's crazy. It's, and it's, I mean, but you have to know that that's possibly illegal, you know, like for him to like. You got to be well, educated on that. Here's you know, it's not thing. something you run into every if day. If you shoot it, like I know there's a guy, I think it was Cape Girardeau. There was like almost kind of like a or that area down there in, in southeast Missouri. There was like a famous albino deer down there because a lot of people, I mean, obviously it stands out. So a lot of people would see it from the road or neighborhoods or whatever. And a guy shot it and legally shot it. And I mean, people went nuts over that. They did not like that. And you got to think about it like not only now you're opening up yourself to a bunch of non-hunters mm-hmm. too because the you know yeah people how are, could you shoot such a beautiful animal yeah we get that anyways yeah, right. but but that's now no different you, than yeah, any other harvest you, you see an albino one and you're like oh it's really rare it's even more beautiful but, well, and, and they see not, a rack like that too i mean that's a probably 150 buck inch yeah, good, type deer good rack so i you know I, I wouldn't shoot it from a standpoint it's not God, i'm not worried about taking heat about it i just mm-hmm. wouldn't care i'd like to see it on my yeah. property yeah. you know yeah yeah like i have to a, see it on my wall i have a buddy that's a missouri game warden i text him all the time you know because with yeah. being on juries like we're everything's by the book and mm-hmm. and you're like you gotta check everything so i've always thought about that like a, a turkey or a deer like you, and sometimes the laws change by the yeah, year and you don't know do. it oh yeah. yeah so you better stay up on it something like that make sure before you do it you know because it's probably got a tracker on it so they're, oh, yeah. they're gonna know yeah no kidding <laughs> it was interesting I, I was reading up on this uh, years ago uh from the missouri department of conservation's perspective and this could have changed this could have changed but essentially they were they were kind of poking fun at other game departments in other states saying it's a genetic abnormality there's nothing right it's not like the white buffalo that comes right. along once every hundred years it's not a rare animal it's, in their eyes because of the genetics of it well biologically it, it is rare but biologically speaking it's inconsequential mm-hmm. so it's it doesn't have not doing any damage genes for melanin right. or whatever right, right. whatever so hmm. but uh, but it was interesting to hear their perspective because they were just like what's well, the big deal yeah. it's a different color it it's seems a little bit like rare. a big deal if it was legal i would shoot it yeah mm-hmm. yeah you oh yeah 100 percent. oh you also bow hunt turkeys i'm not surprised and i shoot fish <laughs> <laughs> Which, we're about to that time of year the river goes down we're gonna start doing some bow fishing i don't know if it's gonna go down anytime soon <laughs> so keeps going up. a lot of rain you may be launching in someone's cornfield <laughs> yeah. with a boat Glad i don't own a river farm this year that's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. we could end up with some more real wild clips though deer swimming around yeah, that's right Okay, how about uh, our question of the day? All right, the question of the day is probably brought to you by Tenzing. Go further, hunt longer. Hi, my name is Justin McCormick. I live in Clark County, Indiana. And I was curious, how many times have you guys had a big buck show up on your trail cameras during the beginning of season, and then next thing you know, he disappears and doesn't show up on your cameras another 
month and a half or maybe even two months and then he's back on your camera and the entire time you think well he must have got shot or hit by a vehicle or a poacher there he was gone <laughs> well listen that happens a lot yeah honestly. all the time for me especially in velvet like I'll, I'll get great velvet pictures of like six shooters and then i've learned over the years like okay well, i wonder which of the six is gonna what stay two yeah. will maybe stay <laughs> yeah and then it's usually one maybe two and you get them for a little bit and then you know they're in and out and you know but usually when you lose one you pick another one up shortly after you know it's just funny how that at least in my experience mm -hmm. but it i mean i've i've gotten some of my biggest deers in 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 velvet and you're like all right sweet you know like and then you're hoping late season maybe they'll come back you know and mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes they do sometimes those real cold days in january you'll get them to come back but uh yeah i mean every year it happens to me same here mark talks about that a lot in summer he's you know he's so good at dialing in mm. on when they come back and knowing a deer's history so mm. he puts that you know puzzle together and he's like all right last year the last two years he left on october 2nd it's amazing but it happens a it lot they have a pattern true, yeah yeah they have a really they're, they're very patternable in that way and um it happens i think everybody ha i mean we get questions like that all the time i got this one picture of this deer every year i get this picture of this mm -hmm. deer about this time mm -hmm. whether it's the rut or whatever but they change their home range i mean they change where their home is yeah. during certain parts of the and year and by miles yeah sometimes. oh yeah it's crazy I mean, it's crazy when you see 10 miles away you know you you hear of a deer that was summer in here and 10 miles away yeah. and harvested on a farm there we had a, a pretty big deer on a on a piece that we were hunting last year and we had him and i mean he, he would it would have been my best buck ever. I'm a big deer. And we had him all the way up through October. And, uh, and then right around the rut, he skedaddled. Well, neighbor, a couple miles to the northeast, ha got pictures of him. And I'm, you know, I'm shitting a brick. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, man, you know, you, you get so attached to these deer. Mm -hmm. You chase them so, you know, you're thinking, I'm going to have a shot at yeah. them. And it, the reality is you, they aren't yours. You know, mm -hmm. you know yeah. they can go anywhere. And, right. and he did. And sure enough he came craziest thing this deer somebody a different neighbor somebody in the area killed a buck looked just like him i mean same splits characteristics i'm 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 like great he got killed during gun season you know shocker and uh we really started studying and the whole group we were like man i don't think that's that deer and it sure enough he showed back up on camera and he made it back to our farm huh. and it was kind of right after the rut the, kind of towards the tail end of gun season and disappeared again mm -hmm. nobody's heard of him getting shot I, we're you know we're making plans to try to capitalize on him being there in the early season in the area he was in you know we're hopefully shows back up this year but you just never know yeah. i yeah. mean you just never know well, i mean get hit by a car yeah ehd you know just normal stuff that mm -hmm. deer go through and yeah they're out in the wild i mean there's it, just no telling but it is it is when uh, I remember a warning track when I was telling you about when I put my cameras out, you know, I had them and 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 had them. And then he left. And then I put my cameras on the very first picture I had was him. And I was like, yes, <laughs> he's, he's back. It's good I got, an amazing. Feeling. I got a chance. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. He made it so through and he looks healthy. And, yep. Yeah. Sweet. And Mark, the, the deer disappearing act, the big deer he killed, yeah. the two, yeah. 15, 16, whatever, 14, whatever it was. He, he that was his whole story. Mm -hmm. Disappear at the same times. And this year or this past fall, it changed a little bit. And Mark, 
you better not mess no. up because he's going to capitalize be, yeah. off of it. He'll be there two minutes before you show up. He'll be there. <laughs> well, sometimes, Who is this guy? <laughs> sometimes this kind of works to your benefit. Like they're, they're, I've seen a couple like big deer show up late season. I have not seen all year. Yeah. They just happen to pop up like after Christmas and like, oh, there's still still hope for my season here. Yeah. My my And my farm, December is the best month. January, December, you get those cold days because we mm-hmm. leave a bunch of food. And so to me, I kind of play that like, something new might show up after they're usually it's after yeah. the rut when they get back to food is when i start to really pick up and your you know your strategy there is it, it's not like it's a huge piece but your strategy with the food and and nobody around you really has anything left right. at that point it's right. like all right suck them in mm-hmm. and it works but you gotta have the weather yeah gotta have the yeah, weather gotta be cold and that's the last couple of years that's been a tough that's been a tough one yeah okay let's move it on to the wild laugh word Ooh. It's brought to you by Sportsman Channel, your home for Winchester and Drury's natural born and everything red, wild, and blue. <sighs> Have your mind blown here in a second, Kyle. Okay. Whitetail eyeball physiology. Mm. Mm. Hope you're smarter than me. <laughs> the tapetum lucidum is a reflective layer in a whitetail's retina. It doubles the amount of light their eyes interpret, which allows them to A, temporarily pause an image, B, rewind their vision by one second. Sweet. C, 18 times better at night than humans. Now, that's got to be the case. Because you imagine these deer running through the woods at night. Uh, like, how many branches would you just, yeah. you know, get smacked right by? The and face. they're just like, boop, right through. <laughs> nope, no big deal. Or D, perceive the presence of dark matter. Hmm. You get to go first. We always let the guests go first. I'm going C. He's going see, folks. They don't get hit in the face with branches. <laughs> this is a big science, you. people. <laughs> you never see a deer swearing in the woods about no. a branch that smacked him no, in the they're face. They're running full speed. They're just like boop, 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 moving. I'm like, how do they do that? It is pretty amazing. Maybe it's because they're pausing their. Uh, that could be the rewinding it by a second. <laughs> I thought when you started to read this, that first hard word you read there, it looks like taped them. Nearly killed him. That's what I was gonna say. Taped him. <laughs> Nearly killed him. He should have. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. See what the hell. Eighteen times seems like a lot of times, but they do have really good night vision. That's why they're like. not getting smacked in the face by branches right, at yeah. nighttime. And mm-hmm. if I had twice as good vision, I'd still get smacked. So it's, it's gonna have to be eighteen. That is true. And that's why they are, they're considered crepuscular animals. They are more active at those twilight periods because so their right. vision is so much. You are right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle's like, you just get to the point here. We're right, right? We win. I'm right. Did I win? What do I win? A hat. A DOD You're hat. You're wearing it. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. In advance. Who was the sponsor of that? Sportsman's Channel? Sportsman's Channel. I get my own 30-minute yeah. show? Sure, everybody, anybody, <laughs> join the club. Who doesn't have their own 30-minute show? <laughs> uh, all right, well, we got some shout-outs. I know to several people into. trying to get their own right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, another five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, which is awesome. Like, take a second, uh, go over to Apple Podcasts, and rate. you can actually rate us within the Apple Podcast player. Kyle, these are the things as now a podcast that host are important. that are important. <laughs> Let me tell you. Five-star reviews. Tell Am I people a podcaster go, now? You're a podcaster. Hmm. May 31st, I guess. Welcome to the shitty club. Hit the, hit the subscribe button. You mentioned yeah. earlier doing all these interviews with the guys before. Did anyone ever ask, like, hey, where's this going? Are you recording this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. They did ask you. No, well... Uh, 
they haven't. If, if you were just doing these interviews with no, people. No, I told them it was the podcast. Okay. All right. So they knew. They're probably thinking it's already out. Is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, great. I love podcasts. Yeah. We get it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love doing podcasts. When I had my podcast, I've never people to podcasts. would tell me they loved watching my podcast and it was just an audio show. Uh, <laughs> you knew they were lying. Like, what we are, are doing video, though. What are you you can watching? watch ours on YouTube. That's sweet. Key. You're going to have to dress key. up. Yeah. In this day and age, you've got to have video. Why wouldn't? I mean, if you're going to get Albert Pujols in studio, would you not film it? I mean, Be foolish on. not I'd to film it. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Mo Bow Hunter one says, "Good, clean fun. Way to bring some fun and laughter to something many of us take so seriously. You have a good variety of special guests, and your shows are easy to follow and listen to. Keep up the good work." I'm not even lying. Before you, right before you started reading that, uh-huh. you ended with, "I'd film it." I almost put, "That's what she said," <laughs> but you didn't let, give me enough time. Oh, and then this guy's oh, talking about clean good, fun. fun. Come on. Uh, Sorry, Mo Bow Hunter one. <laughs> I'm a child. We <laughs> stepped on it. And and I'm a big boy. <laughs> I'm both. <laughs> big boy child. Did you record your own sound, of, sound, sound bites? Th- they pulled that one from a show. Oh. Yeah. No, a lot of these, I mean. Huge. Terry. <laughs> Terry. Got him. Terry. $200 is $200. John Odell, that's one of our favorites. I mean, we got all kinds of. I can't read. That's Mark. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of good ones. You've only played yours, though. Well, I just you played just a, like your voice. You suck, Matt. <laughs> there you go. There, it's another right. favorite. It's a fan well, favorite. I've been, believe me, I've been accused of the other as well. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. And you could join the Rack Pack if you wanted to. All right. We would let you in. So, I, what do I have to do? I love your non-committal response. <laughs> Silence. What does that mean? That's a good idea, Tim. Okay. Let's so, talk afterwards. So the Rack Pack and Facebook, we have a private Facebook group. Okay. And listeners of this podcast, Terry named them the Rack Pack. Mm-hmm. And so we got a private Facebook group. You just go type in 100% Wild Rack Pack and you can join the club. And it's basically a bunch of outdoorsmen just kind of shooting the breeze in a private Facebook group. Yeah, it's cool when people share some of their Success. hero pictures and, and ask and questions, you know. That yeah. other, so it's DeerCast on Facebook. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, much smaller. With, <laughs> and sometimes we put some exclusive content that we wouldn't air on the podcast into the Rack Pack. Well, just mm. because of this and these questions, we're going to film something exclusively at the end of this podcast oh. with you oh, to put into the Rack Pack. Wow. So does, that goodbye career. Be a part of the Rack Pack? Does, no, you don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> God dang it, Kyle. <laughs> Ruining this. Uh, we do us a new rack pack. Well, okay, so I li- he lists out the names. I read them. I butcher them. He puts in a fake name and, and trips me up somewhere along the way. So that's part of the fun, too. Gotcha. All right, we got Justin Bruns, Jason Albertus. Albertus? <laughs> Damon Spurgeon. Ooh, he's a fish. Jason Carson. <laughs> you mean Sturgeon, right? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Jason Carson, Hammer Pain. Hammer Pain. Now that's Ooh. a name. <laughs> Dale Beatty. Ah, Dale finally joined. He was actually on the podcast once. Beatty. Dale was invited to the group. Yeah. Oh, we forced him in. <laughs> Ralph Duran and Conrad Bain. Ooh, that's like an oh, evil fancy. villain name. Conrad Bain. Conrad Bain? I don't know which one was the, the fake one's one. One's fake. Guaranteed one's one fake. fake. Yeah, you got you to gotta guess, Kyle. Hammer Pain. Hammer Paint is a real individual lives in Texas. Mm. Really? <laughs> he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another one of your friends. Uh, I know of him. 
Not bad. A name like that, a lot of people probably do. Conrad oh. Bain was uh, the actor who played Mr. Drummond in the TV sitcom Different Strokes. Old Conradi. That was a fake one. <laughs> Are you glad you did the podcast with oh, yeah. us? Yeah, it's great. You want to see how to be successful? Just don't do this. <laughs> yep. Invert it. You're good. What are, what are your numbers? We'll talk after the podcast. Okay. They're big, big, huge. Big numbers? Huge numbers. Yeah. Bore you. Right. We've been in several top 10 lists. All I'll right. tell you that. Mm-hmm. We'll tease. Top 10 of what? Internet. Does it matter? <laughs> Internet lists. <laughs> It'll be huge. Then we published. I did an article on DeerCast, top 10 hunting podcasts. <laughs> we were number one. <laughs> you were number one. <laughs> we were number one, two, and three. Right. So I... I I wonder if my if our first week of the Cardinals podcast. Oh, you'll we'll outdo we'll this. It's not you. even fair because we'll you. you have Major League Baseball and the St. Louis Cardinals pushing your crap. We can't hardly get Taylor and the team <laughs> to say squat about ours. I mean, we had to invent whole new things inside the show just to try to get on the internet. You do have a better set than we do, though. Boom. You have a Take that. Set. Our icon was almost a salmon jumping up a waterfall. <laughs> We are swimming upstream all the way. Oh, I got gotcha. Get it? Like the Deep sturgeon? Cut. Yeah, no. like, like the spurgeon. Ah, I love shit. catching like spurgeon. <laughs> I see where I messed up there. Yeah, His like, name was exact, spurgeon. That's exactly what it says. <laughs> like sturgeon. That's what I said. Sturgeon. Oh, it would have been a good one for Kevin Van Dam. <laughs> all right, Kyle. Well, it has been fun. We, we'll be I sure to it. tune in to Chatter's Box. I'm looking forward to it. I love the logo. It's Bad cool. to the bone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt had a little help influence on that nice oh i didn't mean that's why i loved it speaking of logos behind us we are we continue to tease a little bit yeah yeah we're talking about you know, we, we tease it in the kevin van dam episode last week Ke- kyle actually knows what we're talking about we're getting ready to launch a new version of DeerCast, and we got some major mm-hmm. new features kyle's been able to see some of this stuff and and, and you know test it out we're really really excited about supercharged. it supercharged yep supercharged DeerCast mm-hmm. on steroids yep so Come like soon. It. I like it. All right, brother. We appreciate yeah, you. Thanks for having me. You yeah. guys have done 270s. I'm glad I finally got the invite. <laughs> well, it's listen, been a while. the old set wasn't exciting <laughs> to be on. I was kind of ashamed of it. So now we have a real setup, and I'm trying to get everybody to come yeah. in. What's the old saying? Lipstick on a pig? There you go. <laughs> That's what we've done here. We got a new pig. <laughs> oh, oink, oink. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Until next time, peace out. The results are in. DeerCast said great. It doesn't exist anywhere else but in DeerCast. Hunters love DeerCast's exclusive deer movement forecast. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast.